everybody. Good to uh, be back here. It's been a little bit, because uh, I don't know if you know, things got a little crazy the last uh, last couple years, but uh, uh, really grateful to be here with you guys. If I haven't met you or you're new here to Phoenix Bible Church, my name's Robert. Uh, I'm a friend of, of Tim's. I'm a, a fellow pastor out in the East Valley, and yes, the sun does rise out there first, and uh, I'm so grateful to be with you guys. I have a, a family of, there's five of us, plus we also have a dog. Uh, his name is Sherlock. He's a COVID dog. And uh, we, we were voting as a family. My wife got three votes. The rest of us got one vote, and she got outvoted four to one. And uh, so we have a, a brand new puppy in the house as well. And uh, again, uh, so grateful to be here with you guys. And I know most of you are dog lovers as well. Just out of curiosity, any cat lovers here? God bless you guys. We love you. And uh, everybody's welcome at church, and so we're glad you're here too. Uh, what I want to do, um, we're going to be looking at Psalm 90. If you have a Bible, you can open it up there. Uh, but I want to start by asking this question. And this is not my sermon timer, so if this runs out, I, I might still keep preaching. But if, if you knew how much time you had left, like, like if you knew exactly the years, the months, the weeks, the days, the hours, the minutes, if you knew what time you had left, what, what would you do with the time that you have now? Like, like if somehow you knew it, it was this length of time that I, I have remaining, what would you do with the time that you have now? And, and my guess is it would depend on how much time we're talking about. It would depend on the length of that. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just throw out a couple stats for you because we don't actually know the hours that we have. We don't know how much sand is left in the hourglass for each of us. But if we were just to take averages, we we're just going to go with averages right now. The average life expectancy in the U.S. right now is 77 years. So if you're like, retirement age, you're 65, that would mean statistically you might have like 12 years left. If you're 20, we got a lot of like young, I met a couple college students out in the lobby, uh, you'd have 57 years left. If you're 80 or above, congratulations. (laughs) You did it. You beat the game. You win. Uh, But we we don't have any guarantees and, and, and you're probably like, why did they invite this guy? I know this is a somber topic that we don't really like to talk about. But I do think it's important for us to pause and to go, okay, what, what would we do with the time if we knew how much time we had left? Um, I, I think this is a, wor- a worthwhile exercise, and it's something that we learn in Psalm 90 from Moses that, that we should actually pause and do once in a while. So in your Psalms, you, you have these collections of Psalms. The oldest one in there is Psalm 90, written by by Moses, and Moses' life is fascinating to me because his life, he kind of has these like three different lives, each 40 years long that, that he lived, if you know the story of Moses. He was in the, the house of royalty for the first 40 years, and then he kills a guy, he goes on the run, and then he's a shepherd out in the desert for 40 years. And then God encounters, or Moses encounters God at this burning bush moment, and God says, hey, you're going to go, you're going to represent me, you're going to go, and and you're going to lead the people out. And Moses is like, wait, who am I? And God doesn't answer that question. He just says, I'll be with you. 
And then God guides Moses to then confront Pharaoh. And if you've seen the cartoon by Disney or uh, you've seen Charlton Heston or any of those movies, you know kind of how that, that story goes. And God rescues the people of Israel out of Egypt. And then there's another 40 years of wandering in the desert while Moses leads them. So Moses lives to be 120. You have 40 years, 40 years, 40 years, kind of these major segments of his, his life. And he writes Psalm 90, and he has this great perspective on life, on time. And notice where, where he starts when he gives us perspective on time. Psalm 90, verse 1. He says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So the context of, of our lives, it's not the generation that, that you were born in. I know we love to be like, what generation? You know, I'm an Xer or Gen Z or, you know, the millennial or whatever we're calling the next ones. I, I don't even know what we're calling them yet. Maybe we'll wait to see kind of how they turn out and then we'll give them names. But, but we, we try and identify ourselves by generations. And Moses says, here's, here's, how, here's where you fit generationally. You fit somewhere in between. Imagine like if there was just a timeline going all the way across here, somewhere between everlasting to everlasting, we're like right here. Just this little speck in the middle of not our story because we want to we like get our bearings based on our generation and our story and our timeline and all of that. And Moses says, no, we exist somewhere in between everlasting to everlasting. That our story, we're, we're a part of a much bigger story. And when I say much bigger story, we're talking about God's story, an eternal story. And, and here we are a speck in the midst of, of that story. So he gives context for our lives. He says, everlasting to everlasting. And then, since we're gonna get real morbid here, verse three, he says, you turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. This is not like, the, you don't like read this right before bedtime with kids. This is not like the, the most uplifting, but, but there is some reality to, we came from dust, to dust we return. Then he says, a thousand years in your sight, or like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. That in God's context, everlasting to everlasting, our lives are here. He says, man, life goes by super fast. It's like a, a watch in the night, a thousand years. I, I did the, the math. A watch is three hours. So if you were watching on the gate, you know, and you were guarding the gate, it would be one watch is three hours. So a year would be 10.8 seconds to God if we took this totally literally. And if we took the average lifetime, that means it would be about 14 minutes for an entire lifespan if you made the, the life expectancy. It's quick, is the translation of that. He says life goes by fast. And then Moses continues to speak of God's power, our life's brevity. And then he even gives some like, Life expectancies, he said, some get 70 years, some get 80 of strength endures, but they quickly pass. And then here's where he goes with this, this psalm, this exercise for us. He says, teach us, verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So the purpose of this exercise is that, that we would gain a heart of wisdom. And Moses says, teach us to number our our, our days. I, uh, I don't know if we have, do we make that slide that has kind of zero to, to 80? Yeah, okay. So what you have up here right now, that's a timeline of life. And I rounded it up to 80, even though the life expectancy is 77, because I'm an optimist, you know? 
And so I decided, let's just round that up. But right now, picture, where does your life line up on this scale? Like, like look for your age on here and just like in your mind, shade in the part that you've already lived, the time, the sand that has already passed in your life. And begin to think about it. For me, I'm not gonna tell you how old I am, but if the life expectancy is 77, that means I have more life in my rearview mirror than I do in front of me. I hate this exercise. But it's important for us to, to take account. If you, you just graduated high school and you're excited because you, you know life is all ahead of you, just so you know, you're like already a quarter of the way done. you guys so glad you came to church today? Isn't this so fun? But Moses is right. He goes, man, it goes by so fast. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Here's what James writes in James 4, verse 13. He says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. He asks this question then. He says, what is your life? And he answers the question. He says this, you are a mist. You ready? I brought another visual. He says, this is your life. You are, you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Some of you missed it, so I'm going to do it again. Ready? This is your life. There it is. You can kind of see it. Wait, it's fading and it's gone. Okay. James says, that's it. That's your life. And you have all these big plans and all of that, but he says, life is so fast. Uh, so this weekend, uh, just two days ago on, on Friday, I, uh, I officiated a, a funeral service for a friend who died unexpectedly. I, I was on a Zoom call. I got a missed phone call, and then I got a text message, and I looked at it, and it, and it said, hey, so-and-so has passed away. Totally out of the blue healthy guy, uh, baseball player, coach, all of that, five kids, just devastating. And on, on Friday, I, I did have the honor of officiating his, his service and just looking at how quickly life goes by. And in Ecclesiastes 7, Solomon writes, he says, it's better to go to a house of mourning. It's better to go to a funeral than it is to go to a house of feasting. Basically, it's better to go to a funeral than a party. Because this is the destiny of all of us and the living should take it to heart is what Solomon writes. So Friday, I was reminded of that. And then just yesterday, my wife and I, we went to a close friend's house who had breast cancer and then they were able to, to remove the breast cancer. Everything was good. She went in for a scan and uh, they found that the cancer had moved into her, her liver, her spine, her lungs, and now her brain. And again, young. And, and, and we're over there praying for God to, to do something, for God to, to heal her and the husband's just crying, you know, God save, save my wife and, uh, you know, young mom, kids, the whole thing. And just, again, being reminded just this weekend, uh, there's no guarantees. Life moves quickly. And so to pause and to go, okay, God, help us to number our days so that we might gain a heart of wisdom. Moses in the Old Testament, James in the New Testament, they're telling us this. They're saying, hey, guys and Ferris Bueller, they're all telling us life goes by fast. 
And if you talk to anybody who's, who's older, you'll hear it again. They go, oh, it goes by so fast. You talk to parents. This is, I love this. Uh, we, we have three kids. Now they're, they're getting into like adolescence and all that. Uh, but we have three kids. And when we had them as babies, parents love to tell us. And I've seen a ton of babies around here. Way to grow the church, by the way, by just having a ton of babies here at Phoenix Bible. But the parents, when they see you carrying a baby, they love to come up to you, the older parents, and they'll say, oh, it goes by so fast. Oh man, cherish these moments because before you know it, they're going to be graduating. And I remember hearing that. I'd be like, no, it doesn't go by fast. Like, do you know how little sleep we got last night? Do you know how long yesterday was? Like, it is taking forever for this kid to get out of diapers. Like, it does not go fast. But here's the deal. Uh, Once they get out of diapers, then it goes fast. And before you know it, they, they start growing up. And it's true. The reason why Moses, the reason why James, the reason why Ferris Bueller, the reason why all the old people in your life, they tell you it goes by fast is this. You ready? It goes by fast. It's a thing. It's real. And so again, we want to pause and we want to reflect because this is not a dress rehearsal. Our life, the time that is passing by, this is it. How we spend our time is how we spend our life. This is not a dress rehearsal. It's moving by fast. And so we want to pause and we want to reflect and we want to think about what are we doing with the one and only life that God has given us? I read a a book by um, a nurse who worked in hospice. Her name's Bronnie Ware, and what Bronnie would do is she would uh, help people in the final stages of life. And she began to ask questions. And like bold questions, she would build relationship with these, these people in their, their final, final hours, final days. And as she built relationships, she would begin to ask them about their life. And she would begin to ask them, what are the things that you regret? And as she would listen to these people tell their stories, she started to notice there was a pattern. And that, that it was actually uh, the same things over and over again that she would hear from different individuals. And so she began to write them down. And as she wrote down the, the top regrets of the dying, here, here are the top, top regrets. Number one was, I wish I was true to myself. Didn't try to live up to everybody else's expectations too. And at the time, this was a generation that it was mostly the men that would say this, but 100% of the men would say this. And then uh, later on, more and more women would say the same thing. I wish I didn't work so hard. Regretting spending so much of their lives on the treadmill of a work existence. I thought, oh man, I'm exhausted from work. And, and if I were to have conversations with any, anybody here who works, my guess is you would say, man, yeah, I'm just so busy all the time. Yeah, there's not enough time in the schedule. I'm just constantly going, going, going from one thing to the next and trying to keep up. Third thing, top regrets of the dying. I wish that I would have dealt with issues sooner rather than carrying around bitterness and resentment. Quote from the book, all that remains in the final weeks is love and relationships. Whatever stuff had been acquired, whatever stuff they had accomplished, all of that didn't matter in the final weeks. It was just, no, where's my family? Where are my loved ones? It was the the investment in relationships that mattered in the end. One of the things that, that we say all the time at, at our church is in the end, all that matters 
is God and people. That's all that matters. Whenever that moment comes where the, where the sand is, is done for us in this life, all that matters is God and people. And so what if, what if we learn from those who went before us? What if we learn from all those who say it goes by fast and those who in the final hours reflected and said, hey, here are the regrets that I have. What if we learned from them? What if we did what Moses taught us to do is to teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom? As we look back, here, here's the challenge. For some of us, uh, the time has passed and we're going, well, I can't do anything about that time that's already passed. And you're right, you can't change it but you can redeem the time that you still have. You can redeem the time that you still have. However many days you still have left, there's still breath in your lungs. God's not done with you. God's not done guiding you and and transforming your life and using your life to be a transforming power in the lives of others. You can redeem it by making the most of the time that you still have left. So I started to think about, so how do we do that? Based on what, what Bronnie Ware writes of, the regrets of the dying, based on what we have here in scripture, what Moses is telling us to do. Well, we can do things like telling people that we love them. We can do things like forgiving people who have have hurt and wronged us, not to carry around that bitterness. The, The people who at the end of their life are going, man, why did I let that person continue to hurt me by carrying around bitterness? Why did I let those relationships fall apart? Grant forgiveness. Think about your schedule. Think about what are you doing with each and every day that God has given you because each day really is a gift. I, uh, I did this exercise because I was dealing with some anxiety in my life and my schedule was so jam-packed and I, I met with this counselor and the counselor just drew up on a board and said, hey, here, here's four categories. And, and let me start by asking you, what would your schedule look like if God were in charge of it? Not if you were in charge of it. What if, what if God, we just gave him full authority, full power over your schedule. What would he pencil in there? I was like, oh gosh, it might look a little different. And he said, I want you to, to create four, four categories and I want you to think through and, and do this exercise because how you spend your time is how you spend your life. Pause and reflect that you may gain a heart of wisdom. I, I want you to think through these four categories. First category, what is something I need to add to my schedule? And I'm like, no, 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 my schedule is really full. I don't need to add anything to my schedule. And it was like, no, yeah, you do. Because here's what happens when we get busy and we just get on this treadmill of life and we're just going through the motions and not thinking a ton about it. Here's, here's what goes first. Time with God and rest. Time with God and rest. And, and also time for relationships that are really important to us, but we know they'll be there. And so I can do all this other stuff. I can focus on work because I know my wife, she's going to be there. Like she's going to be, yeah, she, she's committed and, and, and I love her and all that. And so I'm just going to focus on work and I know she'll be there. But then that, that relationship gets neglected. My kids, yeah, you know, the days do go by slow. Even though the years go by fast, the days do go by slow. And so I don't need to spend a ton of time with my kids. I can focus on work over here. And, and when our schedules get full, we, we tend to, to push away the things that matter most. Time with God, rest, time with our loved ones. He said, what do you need to add to your schedule? Jesus says this. This is in Matthew 11, verse 28. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you. And I don't think any of us are oxen farmers, and so this analogy gets lost on us a little bit, but 
A yoke is that, that giant piece of wood that would connect two oxen together. And, and I picture it this way. Jesus is saying, hey, let me just put my arm around you. Let, let, let me just walk along with you. And, and Jesus is saying, and keep pace with me. When I, when I study the life of Jesus, you know what's fascinating? Jesus accomplished a lot with his life. Can we all agree that, that he did a lot? I mean, he's pretty famous. A lot of people know about him all over the world. Uh, he had a pretty short ministry run, just a few years. Uh, transformed the world more than any other person in the history of the world. Conquered sin and death on our behalf. Like, he did a lot in, in that short amount of time. And you know what's fascinating about Jesus? He's never in a hurry. Have you noticed that when you read, read your Bible? Like he's never rushed all the time. If you read the Bible, it's mostly his life being interrupted by people. It's people going, hey, hey, Jesus, you know, son of David, have mercy on me. Come over here. He's walking through a crowd and somebody touches his garment. He feels the power goes, goes out of him. You guys realize that, that story, if you're familiar with it, Jesus is on his way. There's a guy, he's a wealthy guy and, and he's part of this synagogue and he says, hey, my daughter's uh, dying. Jesus, can you come rescue her? And, and so Jesus is going with this guy, Jairus, and they're going to, to rescue his daughter. And on the way, this lady touches his, his garment and he stops. There is a kid dying. This guy's going, Jesus, you gotta come quickly. And he stops and he gives all the attention to this woman and heals her. And then the kid dies, but then Jesus is like, no, it's cool, I'm Jesus. And he goes and, you know, a little girl arises and he raises her from the, like, but just the fact, if you were, if you could just picture yourself in that moment, he was fully present in the lives of others when there were needs. And Jesus is constantly being interrupted and it seems like distracted, but that's what he actually came here to do. To love people. To be an example for us on how to love people. And Jesus is pace. He's just fully present. And when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, I imagine his arm going around the shoulder and going, hey, slow down. Are you interruptible? Because some of God's greatest moments that he does through us is in moments of interruptions. Interruptions are actually invitations to something greater than whatever it is we were doing. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. It's not a burdensome yoke. It's, it's easy. He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is, is light. For some of us, and, and this is what goes first for me, we're missing out on that time of just being with Jesus. And we need to add it to our schedule. Times to just be with him, to just learn from his ways. To learn what is his rhythm? How does he operate in life to take his yoke upon us? What do you need to add to your schedule? Another category, what do I need to remove from my schedule? So this counselor had me list out everything that I'm doing. And so I just started writing out everything. And at the time, I had this side business 
where I was, you know, full-time pastor ministry, but I had this like side business, had a website and I was doing like weddings uh, and, and I would like triple book weddings. So my day off, I would go like from one wedding to another wedding to another wedding and I would officiate weddings. And it was awesome because you make a ton of money in the wedding world. Apparently people don't, they forget how much money actually is worth and they just, they just give money, you know? And so uh, I was making all of this money and the counselor was like, do you actually have to be doing that? And I was like, well, yeah, I'm an American. This is what we do. Like this is, this is opportunity here. And, and, and he kind of guided me through it and we ended up shutting down this side business and intentionally chose to make less money. And I've never once regretted it. Because it was something that, yeah, okay, just because I can doesn't mean that I, I should. And taking that off of my schedule, that freed me up to have a date day with my wife every week. For some of us, what we need in our lives right now is we need addition by subtraction. There are some things in our life that are filling up our schedule that we're going, but it's a good thing and I can do this that, that we shouldn't necessarily be doing because our time is limited. So we have to make a decision to, to limit our time to choose what we're gonna spend our, our time doing. What do you need to remove from your schedule? What do you need to do more of? If you're a parent, uh, and, and I don't wanna, none of this is to shame you. I'm just giving ideas here, okay? These aren't Bible verses. This is just me talking from, from experience now. If you're a parent, uh, statistically, spending time as a family around a dinner table is massive for your kid's development. If you can win the dinner table, you, you can win when the family, for some of us, we need to do more meals together. We just sit down, hey, how was your day? Hey, tell me about what's going on. We, we do this in our house. We sit around the dinner table, highs and lows. We do this each night at dinner. And some of the stuff that comes out of my kids' mouths, and as a parent, you have to pretend like you're not shocked. You know what I mean? Like, you just play it cool, and you're like, wow, they're actually telling us a lot about what's going on at school right now. Some of us, we need to, we need to do more dating of our spouse. If you're married, sometimes we, we get married and for my wife and I, once we had kids, we stopped dating each other because now we're so focused on kids. And again, I'm, I'm just giving you guys like all of this counseling that I've received, I'm giving it to you for free right now, okay? So I'm just saving you guys hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars. And so my wife and I, we, we saw a counselor and we did this assessment and, and we were really good in these categories, but dating, we scored a 10 out of 100 on that category. And we didn't even realize that we stopped dating each other once we got married and had kids. So we had to add into our schedule, regular date days. Each week we have a date. In fact, when I leave here today, because I was doing a funeral on Friday, that's typically when we do it. And uh, our schedules were crazy and she's moving into a new office, downtown Phoenix and all that. And we got all this crazy stuff going on. So today I'm gonna leave here. I'm gonna go on a date. And our kids, yeah, we can applaud that. Yay, dates. <laughs> and my kids are going to be like, why are you guys leaving? And I'm going to look at my kids, and I'm going to say, because we love you. And the best gift we can give you is a healthy marriage. So mom and dad are going on a date. Peace out. And we're going to leave, and we're going to go on a date. Uh, if you are a parent, then, then having dates with your kids is important. Dads, to take your daughter out on a date regularly. Moms, to take your, your boys out on a, on a date. What do I need to do less of is the, the fourth category. Maybe it's not a bad thing, but it's, it's something that maybe has consumed a little bit too much of your life. I was on a, 
I was on a flight, and uh, this was before COVID. I was coming back from Indianapolis, and my phone broke. My cell phone broke. And when I say broke, not like the screen cracked. Like, I mean, it broke. And I was desperate. I took the barf bag, and I, there's this little piece of metal. I'm trying to do, like, the reset button. Like, I'm MacGyvering, trying to fix the phone, and it's just dead, and it's not going to turn on, and it's not going to work. And all of a sudden, I realized, I don't know what to do on an airplane, because I'm just, you know, watching movies or I'm playing games or whatever. And I kind of had this Wally moment. If you've seen the movie Wally, where the guy's like screen breaks and all of a sudden he's like, whoa, look at the stars. And look at it. And I'm like, I'm looking out the window and I'm looking at like, wow, look at this is neat. And I'm looking around and everybody else is just glued to their phone. And then I realized maybe we have a problem with technology where we can't be quiet. We can't just be with God, where we have to constantly be on our phones. And so I, I, I looked at that and I went, maybe there's times I should just turn my phone off and turn the TV off and try out this thing. I used to do it all the time as a kid. We stopped doing it recently, but it's this thing called getting bored. And some of you don't even know what that is. You've never been bored in your entire lives. And it's a beautiful thing because it actually causes you to think about things. And so more and more, I'm trying to intentionally get bored where if there's a quiet moment to turn the phone off, turn the TV off and just be, be present. Some of us, we need to spend less time in technology. But ask the question, what would my schedule look like if God were in charge of it? We think technology connects us. It actually isolates us. And it makes time go by so fast. The app is called TikTok. Has anybody thought of the irony of an app called TikTok that is meant to just pass your time away. Maybe we should do less of that. Guys, how we spend our time is how we're spending our life. And I think it's wise of us to listen to Moses' psalm here and go, okay, God, teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. You and I have one life. Let's spend it wisely. Let's use it to glorify God. Let's use it to love people, to serve people. The opportunity you have coming up this Thursday, that is a great opportunity. If you can, use your time to serve others. That's not wasted time. Use your time to build relationships with others. That is not wasted time. Use your time to be with your heavenly father who loves you. That's not wasted time. God, teach us to number our days, we pray. Would you pray with me? God, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. God, that we might serve you well. We might make the most of every opportunity that we have. God, you taught us to, to live wise, not, not unwise, because the days and the weeks and the months, they're evil. There's so many things that want to distract us and divide us that want to rob us of our most precious resource that we have. God, thank you for those who have gathered here so that we might worship you in this place. What a good use of our time. God, for those that are, are gathering together in groups, what a good use of our time. God, I thank you for all those who are ser serving the, the kids in the other rooms right now. What a great use of their time. God, would you help us to make the most of the days that we have? We're not guaranteed any of them. But would you help us to pause, to reflect, and to, to gain a heart of wisdom? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.